what child is this series? Our Christmas series for Wednesday, for Wednesday evenings. Um, our main verse of Scripture is Isaiah 9, verse 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, we'll, we'll, we'll read that. And um, Pastor Derek kicked us off last week with that, and we um, did an amazing job talking about of God being our wonderful counselor. Now we're going to talk about Him being our mighty God and what, and what that really means. And so as, as you're kind of getting there, you know, Isaiah 9, 6 is, is a prophecy. And what we've got to realize is prophecy and prophetic scriptures and actual prophecies themselves um, encapsulate about a third of the Bible. So you've got to realize that there's, they're in there for a reason. God's got great things. He wants to speak to them. So the th- prophecy is one of those things, like the rest of Scripture, if you don't interpret it correctly, it'll, it'll, um, it'll lead to um, incorrect and, um, and bad, bad theology. And so the secret to the power of, of, of prophecy is interpreting correctly, just like the rest of Scripture. You know, you can look, you can look at all kinds of Scripture if you don't interpret them properly. You know, one that's very common is, is um, Paul and his um, thorn in the flesh. That, that is one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in all the Bible. We take it as God telling you to tough it out and make it through when really it's about the power of God's grace in your life to bring you through a, through a situation. And so we need to realize that same thing with prophecy. You can re- see a prophecy in the Word, but if you don't interpret it correctly and, and study out and, make, and line it up with the Word and see where that fits in, then, then you have a bunch of um, serious issues and you don't get the power that God intended for you to receive through that. So in the Old Covenant... Prophecy revolved around the coming of the Messiah, and it gave a picture of who, what, when, where, why, and how, all those things about him. And it gave instruction about how people should live in preparation for his coming. And so those who had a proper perspective received him and, and accepted what he did. Those who didn't have a proper perspective didn't. That's simple. You know? Now, whether or not they came to believe later, that's fine, but until you receive the, the proper interpretation of prophecy, you don't receive the power that lies in it, just like, just like with the rest of Scripture. Just because it's a prophecy doesn't mean it's any, any more or less than anything else. What it means is God still breathed it, God still put it there, and he still wants to teach you something through it. Now, same thing in the New Covenant. Prophecy revolves around the return of the Messiah. Now, it gives a picture of the who, what, when, where, why, and how about him, and also about us, the church. You know, we, we want to look at prophecy, New Testament prophecy, and even Old Testament prophecy, because a lot of it relates to today as well. But we've got the same, same thing. We've got to interpret it properly so we can receive the power that lies within it. There's a lot of great, powerful prophecies that people kind of put, oh, that's just that future stuff, and I don't know anything about that, and so it just confuses me. No, if you, if you allow God and you'll ask him, he'll begin to show you these things so that you, can, that you can get the same power from those words as you do from the rest of the Bible. There's a lot of great promises in, in, in prophetic scripture that we need to, we need to wrap, our, wrap our hearts and our minds around so that we can um, um, begin to receive the power from that. And so New Testament prophecy gives instruction about how people should live in preparation for his return. And once again, those who have a proper perspective live for him. Those who don't, don't. Is that simple? Now, so what Isaiah 9, 6, which we're about to read, prophesies about Jesus should have a profound effect, profound effect on the place that he holds in our lives and how we relate to him. So let's, let's read in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And then that's, as we've been taught about on Sunday morning, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It was the same then as it is now. The testimony about him is a spirit through which we see greater, greater things happen, move into the greater things that God has set aside for us. And so, tonight we're talking about mighty God. You know, and that, seem, that seems pretty, um, you know, encapsulated, pretty, oh, he's mighty God, he's powerful God, he's great God. We all know that he created the universe. Great, good, good for you, God. No, but when you, when you study these words down, you, you break them down, like I said, there's power in prophecy. If you, will let, if you will break these things down, you'll allow God to teach you through these things, you'll receive the power that comes along with that. So the word mighty didn't just simply mean strong. That's, that's a part of it. But 
there's, there's a, the word in Hebrew for that is, is Gabor. And what that means is, it, it's from the same root or same family. It means champion, warrior, or hero. So he's not just saying you, he's going to be a strong guy. He's saying, no, he wants to be your champion. He wants to fight on your behalf. And he wants to be your hero. You know, how many of us can say that Jesus is our hero? I mean, I would love to say he's my hero. I would love to say that I, I look to him, and we'll talk more about this as we go on. I'd love to say that I would look to him and I put him in that place to where he is my all in all, and he, that's who I look to. That's who, that's who I role, re, re, make my life revolve around. That's who, who my role model is. And so he, want, he wants to be all these things in your life. And so when the word God in, the, in this sense is the word El or El is kind of how it's pronounced, meaning the one true God or Jehovah. So the one true God or Jehovah God wants to be your champion, your warrior, and your hero. And so this is the same root word that's found in the word Emmanuel, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. When you go a couple of chapters further in, or before this, it says um, Emmanuel, God with us. And so this champion, warrior, hero, Jehovah God of, of all gods wants to be with you. I mean, when you begin to break it out and spread it out, it begins to take, up on, take on a whole lot more meaning and, and what God's got set aside for us to, to learn from that. Now, we know that on the first Christmas, a very, very big thing came in a very, very small package. Now, I don't know how big Jesus was. I don't know if he was eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, like, you know, like you learned about in Talladega Nights. But here, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, though. It, no, no matter how big of a baby he was, no matter how small of a baby he was, there was still a lot of phenomenal cosmic power, right, in it'd be a living space, you know, just, you know. I don't know why we're naming movies tonight, but, but, but anyways, the, the, thing, the thing you've got to understand is all, all the power of heaven, all, all the power that God had, had placed in, in the heavenlies, all that was there that we were looking for, he packaged up in a, in a baby, put himself in human form, and put himself in a manger. And the Bible doesn't even say there was a stable. I mean, everybody says there was in a stable. No, the, Bible, the manger the last time he just sat out in the middle of the field all by itself. And so... We don't, we don't know, but there's so many things that we kind of misinterpret. We've got to realize that, that the, the God of all mankind took all his power, all his grace, all his mercy, everything that he was, and put it in a little, little bundle of flesh under the authority of two people. Lord, help us. I mean, we all, we all know as, I mean, I know as a parent how great I can be sometimes, you know, and so I can only imagine, you know, thank you, God, for godly parents. Because um, Jesus made it, he, he grew up, he, he died for us, and we went on to um, be saved by him. So, now, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, was lying in a manger surrounded by the cold, livestock, shepherds, and a little drummer boy. No, not really, but that's what the song says. So, <laughs> so, um, so if you want to believe that, that's fine, but you know, that's not scripture either. So, you know, as he's drumming away, singing to Jesus, what, whatever, you still got you still got all of heaven was sitting there out in, out in the cold all by himself you know allow you know God gave himself in, in that in that instance so our mighty God became helpless and vulnerable so that we could become powerful he gave up his power he set aside so that we could have access to everything he had in heaven he allowed, he allowed himself to take on a human form and leave all of that so that we could so that we could experience the goodness and grace that he had so big thing in small package and just as just as he told Mary in Luke 132 he said he will be great He'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. But that doesn't seem like a very good throne, you know, a little, a little manger filled with hay, maybe not, you know, him just, him just laying there, but he did end up take, taking, that, taking his kingdom back, and we're a part of that, and praise God for it. Now, let's talk about him being our champion first. You know, 
we'll talk about what definition of a champion is, but when I, think of, when I think of God, when I think of a champion, and I think of a scripture that goes that, the only thing that really comes to my mind is the description of who Jesus is now in Revelation chapter number 1. And let's, let's read there. If you want to close your eyes, just do it. But let's look at this scripture and look at, look at the, the, this a picture of, of, of Jesus in all of his glory as a champion. It said, In the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. You picture he's got this gold sash like you, like you may receive, like, like in the Olympics you receive a, a, a gold medal. But he has this gold champion. He's, he's a champion. He's been crowned. He's around his chest. His, the hairs of his head were white like wool and like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. You know, what, what, think about the first time you see him and you look into those eyes that are like a flame of fire. You know, will they look right through you? Or will you sit there and go, okay, I'm glad I'm in heaven because I'm good, but keep looking. You know, but anyway, you know, there's, there's power in those eyes, the, the, the passion in his eyes. Think, think, about, think about what it would be like to see him. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice like the roar of many waters, that voice of authority, that voice of power. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and those stars represented the churches. And so he holds you, he holds us in his hand. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His words, like the Bible says in Hebrews, sharpening a double-edged sword. His face like shining, like the sun shining at full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But here's the good part. But he laid his right hand on me, the hand of authority, the hand of power, the hand of blessing. He laid his hand on me, said, Fear not, for I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And here he is as a champion. I have the keys to death and Hades. The very things that were holding you back, the very things that the devil had tied around you from the, from the sins that we committed, the very things that, that were holding us down, he went down and he won, he won those things back. And he is our champion, and he, has, he won that battle for us. So, a champion is a person who's defeated all of opponents in a competition or a series of competitions so as to hold first place. Now, a person, and they're also a person who fights or defends a per, or any cause. You know, you can say someone champions for this cause. You may have a celebrity that, that's really passionate about, you know, saving the whales or whatever, but they're champion, they're champion that cause. And so that's what champion is. That, that's who is. He picked up your cause. He picked up your situation. He picked up your case. And he's champion for you. He's, 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 he's cheering for you. He's, he's fighting for you. He's wanting to, he's wanting to win, win those battles for you. And so he did. He won for you. He was for you then and he's for you now. He's not changed. He, he didn't defeat death, hell, and the grave for himself. You ever realize that? It wasn't some personal vendetta he had against the devil, other than the fact that the devil had you. So he went down there. He didn't have to die. He, he, he knew the devil was under his feet. He was where he had to be. But because he loved you and he, because he loved me so much, he wanted to be our champion. He wanted to, he wanted, he wanted to defeat him, put him under, under his feet, so, you, so he could be under your feet as well. So he was competing for you. He's undefeated. He stood victorious in the beginning. And I want, I, want, I want to clarify this. A lot of people think that the devil won in the Garden of Eden. No, he, he, he won against people. He didn't win against God. The Bible said Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. God already had a plan in place in case man messed up. And so here's the thing. Just, be, just because we went down for a little while doesn't mean he was defeated. No, God didn't worry. God didn't shudder. God didn't shake. God didn't cry. Now, he might have been a little bit upset or hurt. I mean, you understand. He's stabbed in the back by somebody. It does hurt. But God didn't get worried. God didn't panic. No, what did God do? He said, okay, I've already sent the champion. He'll take, he'll take care of him. He'll get, he'll get him back. And he stands victorious now, and he will reign victoriously forever. He broke any and every hold that sin had upon your life and released you from the penalties and pain of death that came along with it. So anything you're dealing with now, 
If you'll get it through your mind, if you'll get it through your, in your spirit that it's already been taken care of, it's already been defeated, it's already been beat, the battle's already been won, and you're fighting from victory, not for victory, because our champion's already taken that for us. Our champion's already, already put us in a place of victory. He's already, he's already won that. All we've got to do is step there, up there on the winner's stand with him and receive everything that he's got for us. If we'll get that in our spirit, it makes the battles we're going through seem that much easier. Not that we don't got to walk through, not that we don't got to receive that victory, and there, there, is, there is some work in that, but at the same time, when you know that the victory's been won and all you've got to do is just walk into it, all you've got to do is just receive it from him, it makes fighting that battle that much more motivational and that much more, much more exciting and that much more confident in, in faith that you, can, that you can do it. Now, he's your warrior. And, I, and I, I love this part. Romans 8, 34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus the one who, is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who's at the right hand of God, who, indeed is, who is indeed interceding for us. And so what that's what that saying is, Jesus is up there right now praying for you, speaking good things over you. He, he, is, going, he is going between you and the Father, saying, okay, they're, they're, they're fighting this battle, they're doing this. He's bringing your prayers before God, and he's saying, God, this is what they need. Here's this. And God says, all my blessings are theirs because they're, because they're in you. And so he's up there right now interceding for you on, on your behalf, pleading your case before God. Now, and this is one of my favorite, be quickly becoming my favorite scripture in all the Bible. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost. That's just a cool word. Uttermost. And it's not talking about cows. Sorry. Um, it says, He's able to save to the uttermost, completely at, and completely at, all, and at all times, those who draw near to him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So how, how do you receive that victory? How do you, how do you receive that salvation? Well, you draw near to him. When you were born again, what happened? You chose to draw near to him instead of the things that you were walking in. And what, what we fail to realize as Christians so many times is that salvation is not your born again experience. Salvation is what you get to walk out day after day after day as you live for him. Salvation is a one-time thing. Or born again experience is a one-time thing. Salvation is the life that you get to live. You get to experience salvation in a greater measure every day that you live. If you'll, if you'll walk, like we said, and if you'll receive the power that's in the word and you'll walk with it properly, you get to receive that salvation. You get to experience that salvation in a greater way day after day after day. As you know him, you should know him more and more, and you should experience his power in a greater way every time that you walk. Salvation is not a one-time thing. Salvation is a lifestyle. And so that's when he says he's able to save to the uttermost, you know, which means completely at, at all times. Well, if you just got saved one time, then at all times doesn't apply. But when he means that you get saved at all times, that means every situation you're in, good, bad, or otherwise, he's your salvation in that situation. He, he wants you to walk in a greater measure of, of his anointing, a greater measure of his power, a greater measure of his freedom every day that you live, every day that you walk. We should not stop experiencing salvation until we, until we go home and experience it in its fullest, until we experience what, what's up, what salvation is in its fullest form. Now, what is a warrior? A warrior is a person engaged or experienced in warfare or a soldier. A person who has shown or has great vigor, courage, or aggressiveness in battle. And I, love to, I love to think that Jesus... He did fight aggressively for him, but he's still fighting aggressively for me. He's still fighting to have that relationship with me. He's still, he's still there pouring out blessings, still speaking, speaking to my spirit. He's still, he's still doing everything he can to pursue a relationship with me because he loves me that much. And it's up to me to listen to him. It's up to me to, to tune, my, tune my ears to him so I can, so I can wa- let him fight that battle for me. And so a- as we go on, you know, there's, to me, in my mind, there's warriors and there's soldiers. You know, when... When I go into battle with some, would I rather go with a warrior or a soldier? Now I'm not 
talking down anybody that's, that's in the service. But when you, when you think about it, a soldier might not be experienced. Because, but a warrior is somebody who's fought the battle. A warrior is somebody who knows how to fight. A warrior is somebody who knows how to win. Now, soldiers can become warriors, and I pray that I'm, I, be, I move from the position of, of being a, a good little Christian soldier, you know, to a, to a warrior that can, that can fight a battle. You know, that can go out there and, and, and win some battles and see, and see victory take place. And um, so our champion courageously fought for your salvation. Now he's aggressively pursuing you in an effort to deepen your relationship with him. He's daily pleading your cause before God on his behalf. And when, when, and when we say that, that doesn't mean that, that God's up there trying to strike us down. That doesn't mean God's up there trying to, and, God, and Jesus is going, no, don't hit him. Now, what that means is that God still feels the same way he did in the Old Testament about sin. Just because we're in the age of grace now, thank God, doesn't, doesn't mean that God still doesn't detest sin. Doesn't mean that sin still can't be in the presence of God. And so what's happening is the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made is between you and the wrath of God. God doesn't want you to suffer his wrath, but the, 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 point, of, the point of it is there's still a wrath side that's got to be, there's still a punishment that had to be dealt with. So the blood of Jesus took that punishment. So he's there interceding for you on your behalf. Not that God's trying to strike you down, but, but what's, what was happening is whenever something goes, goes on and you, and you come to God and you guess for forgiveness, Jesus goes, yeah, he's with me. He's under my blood. He's good. Let's take care of him. Let's bless him. In spite of what's all gone on, he's up there playing the blood on your behalf. Because sin still has consequences. Sin still has punishment. And sin still has, has its issues that's be, that have to be worked out. But at the same time, we have the grace of God to help us work those things out because of the blood, because he's interceding for us. And so I want, I want to encourage you in this. Don't look at grace as a ticket to sin, but look at his grace as the empowering power of God that he's putting in you to escape sin, to get away from that, to defeat it, to, to get it off your life. That, that's how he's interceding for you. That's what he's got set aside for you to walk in. He wants to bless you. He wants to see you walk in everything. You know, because when the, when the Bible says that he, he, he redeemed you and brought, brought you back in, in the, into the presence of God, what, what that means is you're a new creation. The, only, the, the old you had to suffer the punishment for sin. There has to be a punishment to take place. So how does God get you through that? Well, God says, well, I'll just make them brand new. Here's a new one. He hadn't sinned yet. He's under the blood. He's good. So he, this, this old guy, you know, you see it in baptism. The old you, the old sinful you stays under the water. You come back up in newness of life, a brand new you, all things are created, you're a brand new creature in Christ. And so this creature has a sin, this creature's under the blood. This creature here, let him go with all that sin. But the new you, the recreated you, the blessed you, the you that's covered with the, with the grace of God, walks, walks away and not to suffer the penalty for the sin that, that was in your life. So, now, we talked about he is our champion, he is our warrior. Now here's, here's the kicker, he should be your hero. And, and let's, let's, let's qualify that. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you can't think about heroes without, without, without being rescued. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed that we did or somebody else did and bring me safely into his, into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, a hero is a person noted for courageous acts of nobility or character. Now, listen, here's the A person who, in the opinion of others, has special achievements. Now, look at it like this. Tiger Woods, LeBron James, some of the, they, they may be somebody's hero. They're not my hero. Their accomplishments don't mean that much to me. I'm not, you know, definitely not a basketball player. Um, the, 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 thing, the thing with it is, you know, what, what qualifies somebody to be a hero in your eyes? You know, Jesus may, he, you know, he might be your champion. He he's going to be your champion. He's already won the war. He's your champion whether you've accepted his championship or not. 
He's your warrior. He's fighting for you, whether you're letting him fight, whether you're receiving his, his strength and his help and you need to fight or not. But whether he's a hero or not, it depends on how you look at him. It depends on the eyes you have for him. It depends on whether or not you're putting him in the proper place in your life to allow him to, to, allow him to hold, that, to hold that, that, that status. Now, like I said, your hero, you may have a, a different kind of role model, a different type that you look after than I do. The thing you've thing got to realize is we should all, and number one, let, have him in, in the place of hero. Who else has swooped down from heaven and pulled you out of the pit that you were in at his own expense, at the cost of his own life, so that you could have a life everlasting with him. That's hero stuff. That, that's, that's, that's stuff that, that movies are made out of. You know, the hero dies, but guess what? This hero came back. Why? So he could be your champion and your warrior. You know, but you've got, you've got to have him in that place of hero. And this time of year is the worst. And, and um, if you look at it, um, Christian holidays have been so bombarded with commercialism and all these other things. You know, we, we've got Santa and the Easter Bunny and all these things. And, and the thing is, what, you, what you've got to realize is he valued, enough, he valued you enough to give up heaven so you could have it. Santa and the Easter Bunny and any other fictitious characters and traditions need to be carefully, thought, carefully and thoughtfully presented so that you not take away from the status that you should hold in your family's life. Now, I'm not coming against you if you're a Santa person. I'm not coming against you if you're an Easter Bunny person. What I am saying is, Anything that takes and, put and, dim, and dims the light on Jesus at your, at your Christmas time needs to be seriously thought about. I mean, just that, it's that simple. Now, if you, if you feel like in your heart and you don't feel convicted and you can, and you can throw this other stuff in there with Christmas and not, and, not, and not pull Jesus down and not take the light away from him, then by all means, that's, that's between you and God. I'm not saying one thing or the other. But in my life, I want to keep hero status up here. I don't want anything to get between me and my hero. I don't want anything to, I don't want anything to, to block that vision I've got from him. I don't want anything to take my, my, my children's vision from that and think that there's anything else about Christmas, anything else about my Savior, anything else about, my, about what I live for other than my hero. I want, I want to stay in that place. I want to keep my family in that place to where we, to where we look, look to him and we, we seek him in such, in such a way that all this other stuff is just fluff. No Santa or Easter Bunny puns intended. But the thing, the thing we got, the place, the place we've got to get to is to where you know what, is it really necessary? Is it, is it helping, is it helping my, my family? Is it helping me draw closer to him by celebrating some of these other things? That, that's, that's between you and God. Same, same thing, you know, with not, non-fictitious things. Athletes, musicians, etc., even ministers must be kept in proper perspective. I mean, it's, it's, real, it's really to look at these, you know, I remember how everybody thought Kobe Bryant was such a great guy. Bought his wife this $4 million diamond. Because he had to, turns out, because of something he did. Now, he was, he, you know, and so what I'm saying is people are people. People are going to mess up. There's only been one perfect person that ever walked this earth. And that one perfect person is the only one that should be a role model in your life. I mean, I'm not saying that, that there's not pastors and ministers out there that, that are doing their very best and have a heart to lead you in the ways of God, but they're people. They're not perfect. They mess up. They're not, they're not, they're, they're not, they're not the sparkly image you see you know, on a, on, a, on a TV screen. Why do you think some people fall away from the faith when, 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 a, when, a, when a, a popular evangelist or, or pastor goes down and, and caught in some immorality thing? Why do you think it affects so many people? Why? Because they had them in place of God, whether they realize that or not. And anything that you put in that place, in, in, that, in that hero mold in your life, needs to be really looked at and taken, taken out and, and put Jesus back in the place where he belongs. Because I promise when people fall, because they will, not speaking bad, people just fall. The Bible says that. People are imperfect. So when people fall, 
It may surprise you, it may shock you, but it's not going to waver your faith. It's not going to rock your world so bad. Because, why? Because, because you've got your hero where he needs to be. Because nobody else is your hero other than Jesus. Now, your hero will, help you, will bring people across your path that can bless you and take, take you to help you get to new places. But we've got to be in that place where he is our hero and he stays there. Now, if for no other reason, none of the above ever gave up heaven and took on hell for you. Santa didn't go to hell for you. Easter Bunny didn't go to hell for you. LeBron James didn't go to hell for you. You know, nobody, I mean, whoever, whoever you want to name, there's only one person that died and took your, punish, your eternal punishment so you didn't have to deal with it. That's your hero. So, as we begin to, begin to close this out, we mentioned earlier that Isaiah 7 verse 14 says that he is God with us. It says, Therefore the Lord will, himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now, the whole purpose behind God being with us is so that he could live with us and show us how to be empowered by him being in us. He didn't, he didn't just come, like I said, he didn't just come and, and, um, and die for you so, you so you could escape hell. He came and died for you and came back to life so that you could have a life that, that walks in power and victory and authority on every, on every front. So, God being with us was for the, for the purpose of God being in us. So, like the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life in your mortal bodies through his spirit who, who dwells in you. So, what that means is there's a champion in you, there's a warrior in you, and there's a hero in you. Now that he's been that for you, why don't you go out and be that for somebody else? Now, I'm not saying that you're their champion. We know Jesus is their champion. But what that is is that champion on the inside, you should go out there and want to win some battles so the kingdom of God goes forth and somebody gets touched. That warrior in you should see somebody else fighting through life, struggling through some things, and want to go out and fight that battle with them because that's what Jesus would do. That hero in you would, should want to get out there and rescue somebody from, from the clutches of whatever addictions and whatever pit they're in and bring them to a place where they can meet the real hero. The problem is so many of us get caught up with everything else that's in, that's in front of us and everything else that tries to take our attention that we don't get to walk in the fact that, you know what? The champion of all champions, the champion of all time is right here walking around with me, inside of me. The, the, the greatest warrior to ever walked the face of the earth that, that defeated every foe that ever came against him for you, lives in you. The greatest hero, the greatest rescuer that ever, ever came across the face of the earth is right here. Not right here. It's right here and right here and right here and right here. You know what I mean? No, no. Don't get that out of context. Trust me, I'm not all that. But what we need, what we need to realize is if we, get a, if we get a good glimpse of who mighty God is in this situation, who mighty God was that was laying in that manger, who grew up to be a mighty man who grew up to be a man who walked, walked around delivering people, setting people free, setting people in a place of victory and, 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 and redeeming all mankind. We realize that that same spirit that raised him from the dead has been planted right here. Has been planted. And he expects you to walk around and be who he was when he was here. And so, if y'all would stand with me tonight. As we've been Talking about on Sunday morning, our pastor has, has been talking, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, you might, you might say, I don't have anything to testify about. There's nothing, there's nothing good that, that I can think in my life right now. Well, are you born again? There's square one. Begin to, begin to testify about that. Because I can promise you as, soon as you, as soon as you get back to square one, 
and you realize what you've been saved from, what you're walking through right now won't seem so bad. But the thing about it is, when you get a grasp of who he is as your savior, as your champion, as your warrior, you'll step into a greater place and begin to be able to testify about some things that he wants, that he wants to do in your life. You'll begin to see him as that, that spirit of prophecy begin to take place. You'll be able to say, you know what? Because he's my champion, I don't got to fight all these battles. I just get to walk in the same victory that he won. Because he's my warrior, I know I'm not fighting this thing alone. I know that I've got all the power of heaven on my side because he planted it right here. And so you can look to your hero, who is the world's greatest champion, the world's greatest warrior, to fight for you. So if every, we'll close our heads and close our heads. Maybe you need to close your head. But um, close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just a minute. Tonight, like I said earlier, he's already your champion whether you've accepted the victory or not. He's already a warrior fighting on your behalf, whether you're, whether you're letting him fight for you or not. But tonight, I, I really feel in my spirit that there's a lot of us that need to put him back in, in the hero place in our life. You know, it sounds kind of childish almost in a way, but, but you've got to understand that when you, when you realize who he was and what he rescued you from, who else can he be to you? He really convicted me when I was doing this, that, you know, I, I need a hero. And I need it to be him. When you go through some things, kind of like what our family went through the last few days with all that stuff, you know, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing greater than to, to feel the pain that you're walking through, to feel all that kind of stuff go away, and you're so grateful. And it kind of it re- readjusts your folks. And so you sit there and you go, thank you, Jesus, that you provided ways to heal me, you're my hero. Thank you for providing me with a wife that's by my side every step of the way. You're my hero. And he'll show, you, he'll show you his goodness. He'll show you his power in awesome ways because he wants to be your hero. He wants, he wants to be in that position. He wants you to look to him and no one else to rescue you. Because while others may help pull you up just a little bit, only he can deliver you eternally. And so tonight, for just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship. And if you need to do a perspective change in your life and, and begin to focus on the fact that, you know, this, it's Christmas. It's about nothing else other than my Heavenly Father. It's about nothing else other than His Son that He, that he, that he sent in a manger. It's about nothing else other than the fact that that Son came to bring me the, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. You see, all the gift buying and all the other junk that, go, all the other junk that goes on, all... That, that's all fine. That's all great. And we do that in, in honor of the gift that he gave. We, we, know, we know how all that works. But we, what we've got to realize is if it pulls our focus off of him, then we've taken him out of hero status. And he becomes just another, just another peg on the board that we need to be, that, that, we look, that we look at as just another something we've got to make sure we take care of. Well, we've got we to make sure we honor Jesus this Christmas. No, let's, let's have the greatest Christmas of all because we've honored him. And so, Heavenly Father, we honor and bless you, and we thank you for the gift that you gave. We thank you that you are a mighty God. You are a champion. You are a warrior. You are a hero. And so, church, tonight, for just a few minutes, we're going to worship, and the altars are open. But I do, I do want to encourage you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up here, because if there is anybody here that, that needs him to be their champion, that needs him to be their warrior, and needs him to be their hero, because you've never made that decision before, I would love to lead you to the Lord.
because I know he's got great plans to, to show you just how great he is. But so for just a few minutes, we're going to worship. Come to the altar, begin to, begin to tell him who he is. If you need to put him back in the hero spot in your life, let's do that. But the altar's open for just a few minutes. Let's worship, let's seek him. Man, come to the altar.